it's a delight to be here today and what an honor to stand here to preach the word of God to you. Uh, most of you don't know me. I uh, am a worship leader slash discipler, speaker, teacher. Uh, for 53 years, I have been in ministry and and it has been the joy of my life the last four years to travel and mentor young worship pastors, worship teams, young pastors, and that's really all you need to know about me. Because you're not going to remember me, but I, I'm praying to God that you will remember something that was said today. I grew up and was called to ministry during a period of time that was very, very difficult. Our country was in a mess. There were riots everywhere. The drug culture had erupted, taking control of our young people. People were angry. Soldiers were coming back from war and we were treating them poorly. There was such tension in our country, you couldn't have a decent conversation with anybody without it being an argument. Does that sound familiar? But in the midst of that, God brought about one of the greatest movements in the history of mankind. And he chose the most unlikely people to do it. He chose the young people. He chose the hippies. You remember hippies? That was back when I could grow hair. He chose people that were most unlikely, and he poured out his spirit. And, and, and much of what we do today in worship is highly impacted by what we call the Jesus movement. And it changed in this country, and thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people for the first time accepted Jesus. Well, if it happened then during those very dark days, I'm wondering, could it happen again? Lord, could you possibly do that again? I fully believe that it's going to happen again, and then Jesus is coming back. Amen? I used to pray as a teenager, Lord, let me get my driver's license before you come back. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I'm not quite ready, Lord. But you know, think about it. Our whole life, we've been talking about this. Is it time? Well, Jesus had died. He was risen from the dead. He had appeared to around 500 believers, made himself known, and then came Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 is when they gathered at this field and Jesus ascended to the Father. Do you remember this story? Okay, we need to get something straight real quick. I'm from Louisiana. If you don't talk back to me, I'll repeat myself over and over again until you talk to me. Okay, so you, you talk to me and this is going to be, we're going to be at the, at the cafeteria really soon. All right. You got to talk to me or else we're going to be here a while. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. The children were going, mama. <laughs> They stood in this field. Jesus ascended. The angel said, what are y'all doing? You're, you're standing there. And so they said, we better pray. So they called a prayer meeting. 
And in Acts chapter 2, there's this, into 1 and 2, there's this prayer meeting that goes on. And listen, listen to this. 120 people gathered for 10 days to pray. And then Pentecost. Now, Pastor, I don't know your church well, but the churches that I've served, if I said, I need 120 of you to come pray with me for 10 days. I wonder. But that's what happened. And because the Bible says they were all in one accord, they were all in unity, and their prayers were for God to release his power. Because you see, what Jesus said on his way up was, you will receive power by the Holy Spirit, and you are going to be my witnesses. You're going to change the world. They prayed for 10 days. They came out of the room. They come down into the street, into the city square, and they begin to preach the gospel. In every language that was represented in that square, people were speaking clearly the gospel, and there were 3,000 souls saved in one moment. It was the beginning of the church age. This was the greatest day in history for the church. And then we come to Acts chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn there. Acts chapter 3, you would think, what can happen better than yesterday? You ever been to a church camp or a revival meeting or a D-Now weekend and, or, or some event where you just thought, it can't get better than this? Well, it's the next day. And you just follow me in the story along. Peter and John were going to the temple at, the, at, the, at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which was their normal habit. Really important that you notice this was something they did on a normal basis. They were going to pray. But on their way there, as they were coming to the temple, there was a, a man who was crippled since birth who was being placed there by the temple gate called beautiful and 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 he was there to beg alms in other words that's what he did for a living he sat by that gate with his hand up and his head down asking for people to give him money so that he could have enough food to eat that was his existence on this day peter and john stopped and says they fixed their gaze on him and they said look at us I don't know if you've ever been into a third world country, but a lot of times the beggars, they, they won't look at you out of respect. They, they're, they're shamed of what they're having to do, but they're doing it so that they can live. Peter said, look at us. We're preachers. We don't have any money. That's not what he said. But he said, look at us. Silver and gold, I don't have any. But what I have, I will give to you. And he took his hand and he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Never been, he's a cripple. Now, I had an accident back a few months ago and I couldn't walk after the accident and because my muscles had atrophied. When you don't use them, right, you lose them. And this guy had never used them. So you got to understand the miracle here. 
Everybody around him had seen him cripple since birth, and now he's walking. And it says he stood up, and he began to jump, and he began to run around, and, and he began to praise the Lord, and, and he, was, he was hugging Peter and John. I mean, he, he didn't even know this Jesus thing. He didn't exist all he knew is he, he was crippled, and they said, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And he didn't want to ever be away from those people that helped him to walk. He was so excited. Well, it caused a mess. I mean, people around started talking, and they said, wow, 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 come on. Hey, did you, that's the crippled guy. And they all began to gather right there at the porch, the portico of, of the temple. And so Peter seized the moment. And he preached a very short message, and it was basically this. We did not heal this man. It was Jesus, the one that you crucified, that healed him. And then he called him to repentance, and the Bible says that about 5,000, more than the day before, 3,000, 5,000, in that moment, became believers in Jesus. And we just thought yesterday was the greatest day that could ever happen. I love that verse of Scripture. It says, he can do exceeding abundantly more than you think or even ask. That's my God. Now, they knew if they preached on the, on the temple steps that they were in trouble. They knew it. And the moment that the religious people found out, they came and they grabbed them and they threw them in jail. The end of the story is the next day they brought all of these religious leaders together and they put uh, Peter and John in the middle of them and they said, uh, stop doing that because <laughs> they didn't have any charges. I mean, what were the charges? That they healed somebody? And Peter said to them, we cannot help it. Now, I want to say something to you today that has been a message in my heart for the church for some time. I call this message taking it to the next level. Why do I call it that? It's because I believe that the church in America has fallen asleep and we have become extremely comfortable with where we are. I, I, I don't know you, so I have no judgment against you, but I travel uh, exclusively now and I'm in church after church after church and this is what I'm observing. There is a comfort zone that we just like what we do. But in the meantime, our world is falling apart. Have you noticed? We, we, have, we don't have any clear defined lines anymore on anything. It's just whatever you feel and whatever you think, that's okay. And it's invading our church. It's invading the minds of our young people in our schools. It's invading our culture. It has changed our worldview. We need to take it to the next level as a church because we are the only people in town that have got a message that can change people's lives. 
There are five things in the story I want to say if you want to take it to the next level. And I'm not asking you to do this as a church. I'm asking you to do this as individuals today. The first thing is that you need to become a person of prayer. It was their habit every day. I mean, they could have taken a day off after Pentecost, right? I mean, they did 10 days in a row. But no, the next day, as was their habit, they began to pray. I don't know about you, but prayer is one of the most difficult things I do as a Christian because I'm a little bit ADD and I start praying and then I, my, my, my prayers turn into God's to-do list today, right? Please nod your head like you know what I'm saying. Some of you are just way too spiritual to do that. God is not your genie. He is not here at your bidding. These men went to pray. I love it. Several years ago, my wife is an airline pilot for Southwest Airlines. That's for somebody, that's the one up front drives pilot. She was an Air Force pilot before that and uh, flying T-38s upside down, Mach 2. Yeah, she's a bad girl. And uh, she's also an expert with a handgun, so I'm, I'm, I'm a very obedient husband. So, um, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, we were in New York City. She was flying for U.S. Airways at the time, and we had, at the time had a two-year-old. This was many years ago, and, and um, uh, couldn't take him to a Broadway musical, and she wanted to take her other son to a, a, a musical. So I said, well, you know, I'll just take the stroller, and we'll just, we'll just do New York, me and my two-year-old in our stroller, and I had my little jogging suit on, and we're going. Well, I wanted to go to this church called... Um, about Dave, you all remember David Wilkerson, the, the cross and the switchblade? You all remember that story? Some of you do. But he had a church in Manhattan, and I wanted to go there and, and just see their facility. It's called Times Square Church. And uh, so I found out where it was, and I'm pushing the stroller down there. Well, it's, it's, it's 2 o'clock. Uh, it's 4 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. So I, I pull in onto the street, and I see these guys in suits out in the street, suits and ties and they're they're greeting people and i'm going my goodness tuesday so i i asked the question so what are you guys doing i said oh our pastor called a prayer meeting for tonight and uh at six o'clock uh we're having a prayer meeting and it's four o'clock i said well I'm, I'm a visiting pastor i said i'd just like to see your facility I said, sure and they ushered me in. I parked the stroller, put the kid on my shoulder, and I'm starting to walk into the sanctuary. He said, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Can't go in there. I said, I just, I just wanted to see your facility. He said, no, the prayer ministers are here preparing the altar. Four o'clock Tuesday afternoon. I said, well, I'm a pastor. Can I just sit there and pray? They said, sure. So I went in the back and I sat down. And there were about 100 people at the altar, all of them praying out loud, and then they began to break off, and they went and touched every chair in the room. They, they put their hands on every door. They, they got back to where I was seated at the back, and they put their hand. They didn't know me. They put their hands on me, and they prayed for me. They prayed for my child. I mean, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed by the power and presence of the Lord in that room. Well, at 5 o'clock, they opened the doors. And people just were streaming in. At 5.15, they said, uh, the room is full. We're going to have to do the over. This is Tuesday afternoon. 
at 5 o'clock. They filled up the overflow rooms. They filled up the foyer of the, of the place until there were just people standing outside for a prayer meeting on Tuesday afternoon. They opened the curtain. There was a full choir. I didn't even know the choir was there. Full choir. And they sang for 30 minutes songs I had never heard, not one of them. And I've been doing music for a long time. They sang with such passion. It, I, I mean, I was standing there weeping at the power of the presence of the Lord. Tuesday afternoon. I think we've forgotten, y'all, where the power comes from. The power is not how well we sing or play music. It's not how well we preach. The power is by the Holy Spirit through prayer. If we're going to take it to the next level, we have to be people of prayer. Second thing I noticed about the story is we've got to be people of compassion. People of compassion. We've got to see needs. We've got to meet needs. And, and, and we've got to inconvenience ourselves in order for that to happen. I was doing a funeral one day in San Antonio, Texas in August. It's really hot in San Antonio. I had a coat and a tie on and I had a flat tire on the way to the funeral home. And so I, I happened to be on a street where there's a church and the name of the church, I'm not going to tell you, but the subtitle of this church was The Caring Place. And so I pulled my car into the parking lot and I got out. I was just hoping maybe somebody might help me a little, you know, because I got a coat and tie on. I didn't want to get my shirt dirty and all that. And man, it was like, and they were pulling out of that parking lot and it was like I did not exist. And so I got my tire out and changed it and put it back together. And not, I mean, they didn't even roll down their window a little bit and say, can I get somebody to help you? It was just like, it was like I wasn't there. And I was thinking all along about halfway and it changed that tire. They probably need to change the name of this place. I mean, I mean, when people drive by this church, what do they think? Do they think they care about somebody there? They care about me there? Really? I mean, are we being the hands and feet of Jesus tangibly? Because that's exactly what happened in this story. These, these two preachers could have just gone and done their religious duty, but yet in the midst of it, they had compassion on someone who had a need. They didn't know what was going to happen afterwards. They just knew God had met them as an assignment for that moment. Are you a compassionate people? I mean, I don't know you. I'm just asking the question today. Are you a people of prayer? Are you a people of compassion? Because that's what takes you to the next level. There's a third thing. This is where I always get in trouble in this message. So you should have said amen early. <laughs> People of power. He said, I don't have any money to give you, but I got something I can give you. 
in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. I got to tell you, I grew up in the Baptist church, okay? My grandfather was a pastor of a Baptist church for until he was 90, 60 years. My, my daddy was a Baptist preacher. I, I, my sisters married two Baptist preachers, all right? And I've been in the ministry 53 years. I mean, we're the only family in the world that fights over who says the blessing, all right? Now, what I, what upset me as a young minister was in the Baptist church, we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. And here's why. Because we had seen a lot of abuses, right? And so we, we kind of, we kind of just kind of, we talked a lot about Jesus, a lot about God, the father, and we baptized in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy ghost. And that's it. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. But can I just suggest to you today that we need the power of the Holy Spirit? We don't need to shirk that because Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. And when he left the power of the Holy Spirit and when it became manifest at Pentecost, it was no joke. It was, he was saying, now this is the entity of God on the face of the earth. You need it. You cannot be saved without the power of the Holy Spirit because it's the power of the Holy Spirit that convicts your heart. You cannot know what to do, God's will for your life, apart from the Holy Spirit because it's God's Holy Spirit who speaks to you. You said, God speaks to you? Yes, God speaks to you in all sorts of ways. Hopefully, he'll speak to you today in this message. But you need the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we, have, we have so ignored it because we think it'll make you weird. And I've looked around the room, and it's too late. <laughs> Amen? For some of you, that's the only thing that you're going to remember I said today. <laughs> In Ephesians, there's a verse that says, it's 518, do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Same verse, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. This is where people start to get nervous. What are you fixing to do here? All I'm going to say to you is, if your pastor came up here next Sunday and he was drunk and he preached a message, you would be so offended. And you should be. Because the Bible says, do not be drunk. But I'm going to ask you something. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Because it's the same emphasis in the same verse, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you need it. In fact, that verse actually says, be ye continually being filled because you leak and you need to be filled over and over and over again. You need his power in your life. It's time for church as usual to be finished. It's time for church supernatural to break into this scene and make a difference in this world. If you want to be the next level, you're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. People of prayer, people of compassion, 
people of power. And the fourth one is people of praise. Now, you knew I'd get there because I'm a worship leader, and we always have to mention worship. But it's right there in the, in the message. Uh, here we go. People of praise. People of praise. I mean, when something happens, do you quietly go about your business, or do you give honor and praise to God? Are you demonstrative in your own way in your experience of worship? In other words, do you have passion in your worship? Are you just kind of endure the music until you get to the sermon so that you can take your nap? I mean, what, what is it in your life that exhibits this life of praise? Some of you think that praise has to do with the 20 minutes before the message. No. Praise and worship is a lifestyle. I'm continually in a mindset of praise. You know, Paul said one time, pray without ceasing, continually pray. Be in a, in, in a, a total communicative process with God all of the time. I, I, I play worship music in my car, and I try not to use both hands, but I, I'll be found raising one hand and driving with the other. I, I'm, I'm in total Communion with him. Why? Because I need him. I mean, my daddy used to tell me, son, you're about two steps away from stupid. Right? And he was telling the truth. We, we, we all are a, one decision away from a catastrophe in our lives. We need to be in communion with him continually. And that praise life that I have and that you have is what keeps us reminded. It's, it's my point of focus. But in this situation, it was praise that drew attention to the gospel. Now, I mean, you heard about the town drunk that, that it was years and years ago, town drunk. One night the church caught on fire and the begin at the, at the first one to the fire with holding the fire hose and trying to put the fire out was the town drunk. And the pastor walked up to him and said, hey, I've never seen you at church before. And the drunk said, well, your church has never been on fire before. <laughs> it's time for church as usual to be done. It's time for church of supernatural to happen. Listen to me. Do people come in here and think that you love Jesus by the way you act in church? I said, no, I, I just don't lift my hands. Okay, that's fine. Well, I don't clap my hands. Well, that's fine. What do they see on your face? Now, if you're Bubba and you're sitting over here, no, don't, don't, I hope no Bubba's over there. But you're but you're 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 crossing your arms and your mouth is clenched and and you are thinking, I wish they'd get over with this. Well, you are a living testimony to what this church is like. And it ain't a good one. If you go to a ball game and sing the national anthem, or you go to your grandchild's birthday party and sing happy birthday, 
and go to church and don't open your mouth, I'm just wondering about you. Who do you really love? I told y'all it gets harder as we go here. Praise for God. Worship is not about us. It's from us to him. I love what you said today. Both of you said it. You don't come here to get something. You come here to give something. And I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your worship. Worship is a verb, an action word that means you give something to him. Now, God is a good God, and he's, he, he, because he's a good God, there's always this residual benefit, and he always, you always leave with something from him. You always do, but it's not required of God. It's only required of you to stand and give your praise to your God for what he's done in your life. I can't give your praise to God. Only you can give your praise to God. We must give our praise to God. And because of that, he inhabits the praises of his people and he does the work of eternity in our hearts. People of prayer, people of compassion, people of power, people of praise. The last one, people of courage. I don't know about you, but what my Bible is teaching me and what my country is doing right now, well, I just got a conflict. We don't have right and wrong anymore. And you can write the pastor an email if you don't like this. <laughs> I mean, if, if somebody wants me to call them they, I'm thinking they're schizophrenic. I'm for anybody coming to my church, but I'm not for anybody telling me what the word of God can say. We have to be people of courage. We've got to make a stand in this generation, and it has to be on the lines of what we know God has taught us through his word. His word is truth. He said, if you know the truth, it will set you free. If you are freed by the son, you are free indeed. I, you we're a people that declare freedom. If you want to know what real freedom is, it's operating under the context of what God has taught you through his word. And we have to be courageous enough to say, this is what the Bible says. Now, I don't stand on the street corner and yell at people and say, you're all going to hell. I don't do that. I don't think that's effective. It may be effective for some, but what I will do is if I am in a conversation and someone asks me what I think, I will tell them what the Bible says because that's what matters. We are the church of the living God. We should stand in courage and declare truth. It is only by the power of God through his word that we will change the generation. I, 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 I do a lot of of uh, consulting 
And this is one of the things that I always say when I go into a church to consult. This is what I say. Language creates culture. Culture changes behavior. Your language, the church's language, is the word of God. Amen? This is where we get our language. And when we begin to pronounce the truth, that's our language, it changes the culture. The culture of this church should be changed by the word of God, and you should be now repeating back to each other those things because that's what culture does. Culture spreads that language, and then it eventually changes behaviors. If you want to take this to the next level, you've got to stand in courage, not in meanness, just boldness. The Word of God says that we should season our speech with grace. We should never have a mean spirit when we have something to say. We should always season it with grace, but we should never water it down. It's got to be the truth, and it has to be pronounced by the church because we are the living organism of God in this earth. So why are you so excited about all this? Well, I was on an airplane. <laughs> I had been assigned a topic by a, a conference that I'd never spoken on and I was a little nervous about it. And so I was digging in to read um, and get get prepared because I, I wanted it to, to be effective. So I'm sitting, I, I didn't sit by the gate. I sat at another gate that didn't have a flight so I could be by myself. And I had my Bible open and I was digging in. And this lady walks up to me and she said, are you a minister? I said, I am. She didn't ask. She sat down and began to just pour out her guts to me. And at about five minutes into the conversation, they called my flight. And I said, I hate to interrupt this, and I want to continue this conversation. I'm going to give you my email. Would you write this down, and I will communicate with you? She said, is that your flight? I said, yes, it is. She said, it's my flight, too. <laughs> and it was Southwest, so you know there's no assigned seats. So guess where she sat? Now, I got to be honest, I was thinking, I really need to get this thing done because I'm, I'm fixing to preach this sermon that I've never preached. And she sat down beside me, and man, she just unloaded her boat. Well, finally, when she stopped talking, I shared Jesus with her. And right there on that airplane, she prayed and, and received Christ. And her life will never be the same. So I pulled my Bible back out thinking, okay, now I can get this done. And the guy across the aisle from me says, excuse me, sir, are you a minister? And I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I'm stage four cancer going for treatment. I'm scared. I'm a believer, but I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, well, let's pray. So across the aisle now, I'm praying with this guy who's got cancer. He was weeping. I was weeping. We felt the presence of the Lord. I felt like it encouraged his heart. And I really believe that God heard our prayer. 
And I get through, and the flight attendant comes and gets down on one knee by me, and she says, are you a minister? I said, I am. She said, could you meet me in the galley? I walked to the back. Her marriage was falling apart. And she was an absolute mess. And right there on that airplane, I prayed with her that God would heal her heart. Well, I got off the airplane and I was totally unprepared to do what I was supposed to do. But inside my heart, I had been the minister God called me to be. Now listen to me. Your ways are not God's ways. Your plans are not God's way. And I'm not saying don't plan. I'm just saying you, you need to let God interrupt your schedule so that you can be the church of the living God. When there's a catastrophe, this body should be the first on the scene. God is calling you to another level. And that level is to be people of prayer, people of compassion, people of power, people of praise, and people of courage. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, you know about him, but you don't know him. He doesn't live in your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer with you in just a moment because I want you today to start your journey with him. All of what I said today would make no sense to you until you come into relationship with Jesus. He is the one who can change your life forever. And if you're here today and you'd like to have Jesus in your life, I just want you to pray this prayer in your heart right now with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness for my sins. So right now, I invite you, Jesus, into my heart. Take complete control of me. I give you my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I love you, Jesus. Now, if you prayed that prayer in a few minutes when we stand and music begins, I'm going to invite you to come forward and take the hand of one of these ministers. And all you need to say to them is, I prayed that prayer. And they'll help you. But now listen to me. This message was to the church today. And church, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to call you to be courageous. But if God has convicted your heart and you want to be that next level Christian. This altar is open. I'm going to ask you to come and bow your knee if you're healthy enough to do that. If not, wherever you are. And I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to take it to the next level. So would you stand with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the shed blood of the cross, and dear Holy Spirit, we invite you to do in us what needs to be done to make a difference 
Lord, we want to take it to the next level. We want to be the church in this generation that makes a difference. So, Lord, would you convict our hearts and call us to that next level today? This altar is open. I'm going to ask you to come forward, kneel, and you don't even have to say anything to anybody, but I'm just asking you, if you want to be that next level, this altar is open right now. Oh, Lord, bless us. Oh, Lord, bless us.